0: Hey, I'm Tracy Manuknuku, the founder of Sexy Ageing, a suite of online resources to support women through midlife, including the menopause transition. And I'm your host for the Sexy Ageing podcast, where I have the honour of speaking to incredible humans and experts in the field of midlife health, longevity, mindfulness, business, all the things really, with a healthy dose of menopause facts. There's no BS here. If you're interested in checking out my other services, which include a menopause management online course, workshops, coach calls, my book, and blog posts, then go to www.sexyaging.com. The podcast is also hosted there. Let's go. Welcome to an epic episode celebrating World Menopause Day 2022. This is the first of two episodes today and we're discussing a symptom that affects 30% of women in the menopause life stage. And that's the percentage of women who have told us in studies. I am interviewing my favourite doctor, also friend, Dr Samantha Newman from Female GP based in Havelock, North New Zealand. If the name sounds familiar, it's because Dr. Sam has been a guest on the show before and is my very first repeat guest. She's an absolute rock star for women in menopause in New Zealand and has been instrumental in having utragestin, a form of progesterone funded by the New Zealand government for women from December 2022. This is one half of the HRT formula a a woman might want to access to support their menopause symptoms. So yeah. We're gonna blow up this taboo and discuss vaginal dryness, which isn't exclusive to menopause. For Dr. Sam and I, the goal of the discussion today is to help women understand that this is a common symptom. It's nothing to be embarrassed about, and there are things you can do to become more comfortable and pain-free. On a side note, I'm hanging out at my sister's house for the weekend, and one of the topics of conversation with her and her partner Jenny is, how's your dry vag? So I guess we're all cool with this topic here. I did an interview with Dr. Samantha Newman last year for International Women's Day, and we discussed the best way to approach your GP when you think you're in perimenopause, or maybe you don't even know, like, you know, shit's hit the fan, you've got all this stuff happening, and someone might have mentioned the word menopause, and you felt that it was probably a good thing to talk to your GP. And at this time last year, I was also hearing that, you know, quite a few women weren't getting their level of support that they might have expected or hoped for. And when I approached Dr. Samantha to come on to the podcast and help us understand the best way that we can manage 15 minutes with our GP when we know that we probably are going through menopause. And you absolutely smashed it out of the park. I had so much incredible feedback. A lot of thank yous from women saying, okay, I downloaded the Hales um, score. You know, that for, for, for tracking my symptoms. I went to my GP armed and ready. I had a great result. Please thank Dr. Sam. So now I get to come on camera in this episode and say thank you so much, Samantha. You're an absolute rock star. And it's great to have you back. Welcome back.
1: Thanks. I, I just always love chatting to you anyway, but I'm really, yeah, really touched. I'm glad people found it useful and it um helped along a journey um it's crazy isn't it thinking of like I don't know what's happened in my kind of menopause journey my clinical journey since we last met and I remember sitting at my friend's house feeling quite apprehensive like a complete like imposter and now I'm like so excited to be like let's just talk about vaginas yeah and (laughs) how it's so relevant and throwing me back last time I would have been like oh well can I talk about this so um yeah
0: doesn't doesn't that actually sort of Make you realize how far we've come you know like now for the audience if you well you've probably read the title of this episode so we are talking about vaginas (laughs) and um, particularly uh, a symptom vaginal dryness which a lot of women probably don't discuss and maybe are even hesitant to talk to their doctors about it but I just want to do a little formal interview for for people in case they haven't yet listened to the episode that we did last time but dr. Samantha Newman she's a GP based in Havelock North and also a menopause specialist with her own clinic female GP so check her out that's online she has a Facebook group she has a walking group she's like in the community really really at the grassroots helping woman um you're also on the front page of newspapers you <laughs> you're a lecturer at the university like you're a freaking rock star um and you're my friend but you're my super fit friend because the last time we caught up when you came to visit me we walked up the mount you absolutely kicked my butt and i'm a fitness person what the heck <laughs> but um personally i want to thank you Samantha, for being such a massive cheerleader for me and the work that I'm doing in this space, and you know that you've got, I've got your back 100%. Everything that you are doing to help women, you were instrumental in um, having Utrigestin funded for Kiwi women in New Zealand starting from December. So, yay! Round of applause. Um, That is such a game changer. So, women being able to access. progestin is that right progestin and progesterone progesterone um, as part of the hrt without having to pay the 35 plus dollars monthly so yay um and today we are going to be talking about vaginal dryness and it's one of your favorite topics i hear
1: <laughs> yeah and it's just like people say to me why do you like like doing it and i just think it's one of those tools that it's a medium to work with women that and gets incredible outcomes. And it's just kind of evolved um, because I realized that what I do do as kind of a GP and working with kind of like, you know, the what we know is general practice kind of, you know, skin things. Um, and I do a lot of prolapse and continence work as well, which we can talk a little bit about and menopause. And then I realized that actually, to be able to do all of this really well I need to learn as much about this as I can um, and it's just I think you know really improved my enjoyment in consultations, my kind of relationship with my patients um, and yeah I still kind of find it a little bit crazy but I just yeah feel really lucky to be yeah. able to feel quite confident in addressing the issues.
0: Yeah so I'm going to ask the questions and I've thought about this from a woman's perspective, and particularly a woman in perimenopause, if this is a symptom for you, this we're, we're going to smash through all the taboos, we're going to open up the doors, and we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to ask the question. So straight up, uh, what is vaginal dryness? I think there are different parts to it. Can you help us understand this symptom?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So putting it really bluntly, the tissues get drier. So in the past, um, it was called atrophic vaginitis, which is just awful. It's so demeaning, so demoralizing. And it basically means, you know, the vagina withers away, which is not. Yeah. Anyway, so they've kind of renamed it as something called genitourinary syndrome of the menopause. So it's better, but it's still like not everything from kind of coming to a definition, but it means that actually vaginal dryness is a kind of a a bit of a colloquial. So, you know, a spoken easy access term, but it actually means from a medical perspective, bladder, pelvic floor um, and vaginal and vulval symptoms um, that relate to decreasing um, estrogen levels associated with um, kind of the menopausal change and not necessarily with aging. and um, I think it's really, I start talking about it, to be honest, actually, even after um, women have had babies when they're breastfeeding, because you can get some dryness then and it's the same cause the lower oestrogen. But I start talking about it in women's thirties because um, 25% of premenopausal women, so in the perimenopause, that's one in four um, experience some symptoms um, and common initial symptoms are often... Um, pain with intercourse and um, not getting um, lubricated enough and that's not a reflection of how much you love the person or how turned on you are there's actually a biological you know a change in the body um so I think that's a really important thing to know and I always ask that um obviously when appropriate and in a nice way and stuff but I think it's a really important question um and then kind of thinking of the other um, organs so bladder so um there's estrogen receptors in the bladder wall and in the urethra. So um, the bladders where the urine is whole, um, held in the body until um, the bladder's is full enough and you need to go wheeze. Um, and it goes out through the urethra. And if you can imagine that the structure of this um, is affected by hormone changes, then there's gonna be a difference there. There's gonna be symptoms differently. And that can be um, some urgency. So needing to rush to the toilet a little bit more and um, not being able to hold on as much. Um, and um, leaking as well, um, and some irritation too, and even pain, um, bladder pain. Um, and when we're, Well, because we're talking about pain, one of the real game changers and what I've learned is that the bladder and the vulva and the vagina all have the same brain pathways. So what does that mean? Well, it means that actually some vulval issues Um, So the skin flaps on the outside, our external genitals, um, can cause symptoms, which is actually bladder. But also, we may think we have bladder symptoms, but it's actually the vulva. So our brain kind of plays tricks on us. So for me, this whole thing as well, we've got to be really open-minded about actually where our symptoms are coming from. Um, And then we've got the other structures, the other things in that area as well, the pelvic floor muscles, um and they're affected by um by the hormonal change too and even the bowel um and the vaginal and vulval walls themselves is um we've talked you've talked in your podcast before about what estrogen does and so one of the things estrogen does is it helps um skin and helps strengthen, helps retain water and the collagen and if we think that um these tissues um in the genital urinary tract are really sensitive to oestrogen, so dropping oestrogen levels means that these tissues are going to get thinner, so they don't have that resilience, they don't have that strength, they can get damaged more easily, and that's when the kind of the dryness comes about. and um, then the skin gets thinner, it's more susceptible to injury, and so we can get more discomfort, some tears as well with with intercourse, um, and also some inflammation. So we need inflammation in our body to help heal things, but actually sometimes inflammation can cause some discomfort as well, and we can get that inflammation in all of those organs I talked about just before.
0: Yeah. Wow, it's, it's actually a, a really big topic, because oftentimes, well, I thought, so I'm going to speak from my perspective, when we talk about vaginal dryness, I'm just talking about the vagina, but you're talking about the whole pelvic floor area, yeah. you're talking mm-hmm. about, yeah, you know, with incontinence and everything, so it affects everything, and I, yeah, I guess it makes sense, because our estrogen receptors are there, right throughout the whole area. What's the percentage of women that would come to you and openly say, look, this is happening to me, why? Or is it that you actually ask them? I'm really curious about that.
1: Mm, um, so I do have some women coming and I've actually had women coming from all over New Zealand, face-to-face for appointments with vulval and vaginal symptoms, which is just really, wow. um, probably not that many, but the fact that women are having to travel is just incredible, I think. Um, And probably only like less than 10% direct kind of, this is my why I've come to see you um, with specific dryness. Um, I also, one of the things I specialize in is um, continence issues and prolapse. So, you know, that kind of, it does overlap as such. It's not specifically that whole, I've got some kind of dryness symptoms Um, and that's probably about um, 25%. Okay. And then it's probably 10 to 20% who don't have any symptoms, probably even less. Right. Which reflects the kind of, you know, what the data shows. So 80% of women have genitourinary symptoms.
0: Wow. So when a woman comes to you for a consult around perhaps other symptoms that she's experiencing, is it you that brings up, do you go through like the list of all the different symptoms as well? Yeah, so what, what do you find, like if you ever bring up, hey, do, are you experiencing vaginal dryness and maybe they didn't put that on their checklist, do they often start to open up then and say, look, this is, yeah, actually that, yeah, maybe, or <laughs> what's the response that you get most? I'm just really curious because I feel that we're not talking about it and I've heard that women don't even discuss this with their GPs mm-hmm. and doctors, so yeah, you're probably the right person to give us a heads up on this conversation. So it's
1: really mixed, really mixed. But I'm going to tell you about a, um, a lady I saw once, and there's I've had quite a few consultations fairly similar. So elderly lady, um, in their kind of seventies and eighties, and they come with um urinary tract infections, and um, so. I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of a disclaimer. So I'm not giving medical advice today. There'll be things I've missed, but we kind of just, you know, we want to create that it's an open topic and give women confidence and to understand what's going on. So I apologize if I miss everything, uh, miss anything. Um, So yeah. um, elderly or older women um coming bladder infections um and you know fairly marked really um really glad that they've come to the doctor um and so for me any um any consultation that I see I'm always like well why has it happened now is there something that I can do to prevent it happening? um and I suppose one of the things is I ask those questions because often I know that there's things I can do to prevent it happening and to make it easier. And so I kind of normalize it and I'm like, oh, is there anything that you could have, you know, that may have made this happen this time? Or you had a last one, you know, two years ago and I think happened, it's not very frequent. Can we do anything about it? Um, have you been a bit more dehydrated? Did you have an extra glass of wine when you're playing ball and um, bowls? Um, what about some um, sex? Has that been a bit different recently? And the amount of women that suddenly sit back in the chair and their face lights up as if like a weight is lifted off their shoulders. Um, and they're like, yeah, we were having sex or I've got a new partner. But it's, um, And I'm like, great, well, we can actually make this better for you and look at and it's just. And so that's kind of what keeps me going. And in that kind of, you know, like middle-aged women group being like, you know, when I see these women in their 80s and they're like, I'm having more intercourse than I was when I was younger. And you look at timings and things. I'm going to talk a bit about that later. Um, so it's way more common than we think. And we need, we need to ask about it. But in a kind of, I think no one is generally going to disclose it um, until they feel safe. And I think as a doctor, I like to think I kind of just kind of walk that path. Um, And some consults, I'll say it much earlier. Some I'll say it much later. Some I might even just drop it in and not necessarily give them a lot of time to answer because I just feel that um, it's not appropriate. Um, And sometimes if we've run out of time, then I might, then I um, tend to say at the end, I see a lot of women with um, kind of with vulva and vaginal symptoms um, and I'd love to talk with that about you later Um, because I think yeah if we don't talk about it um, then it's not going to be brought up and it's one of the most common symptoms. The other thing is that for most of us um, hot flashes and mood changes you know we get better things improve and if we you know a proactive with our kind of um muscle bulk and protein and exercise our body adapts and that's a really cool thing but sadly with vaginal and vulval symptoms once there's dryness unless we actively manage it it doesn't get better um it's yeah. irreversible and um, unlike the other kind of the other symptoms of menopause. okay so, so.
0: this is something that i've actually just realized you've just you know you've i've just had an aha moment it's like i agree i think a lot of the other symptoms you can manage quite well if you're vigilant to it healthy lifestyle hacks and hrt is an option but when it comes to vaginal dryness i never thought oh yeah that won't just go away will it
1: yeah (laughs) and it it doesn't yeah um, unless there's other lifestyle things that are changed
0: yeah okay you know i'm just going to throw in something here so i am a spin instructor I am in my fifties and I'm teaching spin classes, but I'm looking out in front of me and I'm not seeing other women of my age in my classes. And I just started to realize they're not going to say to me, you know what? I'm not coming to your class anymore. Cause it's actually really painful for me. Yep, definitely. I just yep. had a bam moment, but also I'm going to disclose that I'm actually starting to um, experience some of the symptom now. Um, and I think it, uh, while it's, you know i don't want to experience the symptom it's actually really good because it gives me a better understanding of what women are experiencing what they're feeling but now i actually know what to do <laughs> so you know and i want to keep teaching my spin class i don't want to get into a situation where it's too painful i can't sit on the saddle um or i'm gonna have to get class replacements because the thing that i get out of it is the joy and the community and the fitness right um, but I've realised just now from this conversation that could be a massive reason yep. why I'm not seeing other women of my age, and it's such a good workout as it being low impact, you know.
1: Yeah, no, you're completely right, and we've got loads of in Hawks Bay. We've got loads of bike trails. So, um, in one of my previous practices, I went um, I was seeing a lot of women with um, vulval issues from cycling um and so looking and learning different kind of things to approach and different tips and tricks like saddle positions bike shorts um, underwear or not underwear for some women as well and um, barrier protection creams um and then estrogen cream and then for prolapse as well that's an amazing thing so prolapses foot management wise with bikes because um like you said it's a really low impact sport um movement exercise and what with e-bikes now it's just made it even other than the financial barrier made it way more physically and accessible um, but um what was i saying again um, about prolapse. And... oh yeah prolapse so if you've got that's it um so um, prolapse is when um some of the bladder Um, like one of the vaginal walls drop down and if you could imagine if you're sitting on a seat then it can be really quite uncomfortable so using things like estrogen cream which we'll talk about a bit later aren't we or and barrier approaches um, and skincare can actually make that prolapse because it may not be a prolapse it might just be things feel much better likewise and pessaries Um, kind of hitting it hard straight away now but a pessary is almost like a sports bra for the vagina for some women so it kind of can just lift everything up and support it um, which can make cycling way more comfortable so they're like some you know some of my amazing consults when I've seen some older women that have come that oh I can't bike anymore I can't do this and then we look at the skin um, options and things um, and can get them biking again
0: yeah. Oh, well, I mean, this was a complete left field question for you, right? Because I was just here sitting thinking about, oh, my own personal situation, you know, what's happening in my daily life, how this affects people that I may or may not see. So thanks for answering that because um, I threw you in the deep end there. Um, I want to also go into a little bit more of how the symptom affects women across the spectrum of health physically, mentally, emotionally, and relationally so we have discussed a lot on the physical what about the sort of mental emotional and relational um, situation when it comes to vaginal dryness when i started perimenopause symptoms of sleeplessness night sweats sore joints and muscle fatigue i assumed my daily HIIT workouts were contributing I knew nothing about the 35 symptoms of perimenopause and carried on pushing myself through the cardio and high-intensity classes while my muscle density started to drop and a spongy layer of fat started to spread. Once I knew I was in the menopause life stage, I dived headfirst into the science of aging for women and how menopause affects body composition, how certain nutrients affect energy and gut health. And how menopause is an inflammatory response to lowering estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone levels. I studied and became a menopause fitness specialist and looked for workout programs that suited someone like me, a 50 plus year old female in the throes of menopause. And I couldn't find anything. Lots of apps to track your symptoms and give information, lots of fitness apps for younger women with, you know, tons of HIIT workouts, apps for yoga, and apps for meditation. So I decided I would design that program and store the content on an app so I wouldn't need to jump between them. The Sexy Aging Fitness and Lifestyle app is available now. Every week you can expect a new gym-based workout for those that like to train in the gym, a home-based workout for those that don't have a gym membership, a short hip workout for all the great benefits, a purpose-built in-back workout, that's mobility, balance, agility and core in one 20-minute format, yoga for sleep and stress release, and daily menopause management tips. It's all in the palm of your hand and you can connect your Apple Watch, Fitbit, Garmin or Withings to track all the things. The absolute best part, I think, is the community that is right there in the app. Women are doing the workouts somewhere around the world and you can celebrate their efforts too. We get to support and encourage each other, ask questions, share situations. As your coach, we can message each other via text message or a video message. Those are my favourites as I actually get to meet you. And if you're a Lone Ranger, you don't have to engage and you can access all the resources and slay the day. There is a one-week free trial. You can access the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. I
1: think it's kind of a bit twofold actually because I you know when we've got some physical symptoms I've actually had women that have stopped work because they're so affected by their physical experience and so the psychological impact of that and also because it's quite taboo as well so for me one of my kind of agendas in the teaching and education I'm doing is actually I want everybody to start thinking of vaginal dryness from my 30s because when we can get that something it's starts that um, kind of cascade ongoing and becomes harder to manage because there's such a huge psychological impact in it and then there's the psychological impact of exactly say for the relationship of embarrassment of um kind of failure of the um, loss of femininity and um, the some women need that tactile touch with men with our partners female male as well um And then um, the discomfort you can get from it. So if you're putting it really bluntly, and this is what I often do in consults, I'm like, well, if something's sore, you're not going to want to do it. Your muscles then are going to tense up like it does with back pain and say, go away. Like you're not coming near me because it's actually really sore. Um, And then everything gets a bit harder because our body's protecting us. So I think the psychological factors kind of come to play really, really quickly. Um, And understanding that is really important. Um, And even then, you know, approaching medical consults, um, I hate smears um, and I know a lot of other women do as well. And knowing even if you're uncomfortable going to a doctor about it or nurse to then get an assessment of something that's gonna be painful, it's just a lot of the time in a too hard basket, particularly in like, we're busy. We've got all these other things to do. And actually I'm really too tired to have sex and too hot right now. So um, I'll just park it.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's ironic. I'm too hot and I don't want to have sex. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's how my brain goes. Um, okay, so this this is my thinking now. So if you are in pain, and you don't want to have sex because it's painful, is it your libido or is it the physical symptom first? It's a chicken or egg thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yep. And I know it's kind of all mixed in together because of the estrogen and progesterone dropping, and therefore your libido would drop. But yep. and,
1: testosterone it's, and
0: testosterone as well? Yeah, yeah testosterone yep. in there. So, yeah, c- come on, hook me up. What's happening?
1: <laughs> oh, everything. Everything's everything. Happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything's happening. Um, yeah. And I think whenever I talk about sex, I'm always talking about the pain. What could the pain be? What's the history? Like, as in what has happened from the re- from your previous life um, that could impact this, you know, birth, previous sexual experiences, previous unwanted sexual experiences um, body image, um, movement, pain, joint things. like hip injuries back injuries all of this feeling falling on your coccyx literally all of this is related um and all of those things if it's uncomfortable i think lead to a decreased libido or can lead to a decreased libido so it's where it's really important like yeah i'm a doctor i can't um i can't manage all of this i need that community i need that village to be able to refer to so i've got a really big network and i'm just constantly, you know, trying to make that network even bigger to support women. So pelvic physios um, are just like everybody needs a pelvic physio um, because they're just amazing and really often help put all of these things together. And whereas I can often identify that tighter muscle response, I don't have the, you know, that um, physical skills to be able to help relax. That's when I need to refer on and be like go and work with my colleague and I can do X, Y, and Z and they can do all of the ABC stuff and we'll kind of tag him. um And the same as the psychological things as well. Um, often we do need to kind of get back to why do we feel worried about this? What can we actively do to help kind of take take control again? Um, one of my favorite sayings is thinking of sex as exercise. And um, have you heard that? Have you heard that before? Yeah, I, I have, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: I, I probably wouldn't wear my my heart rate tracker in that moment. <laughs> I, ha- I yeah, have told myself. One of my
1: friends at uni actually did. She had to do a heart rate monitoring, and um, she like submitted it to the cardiologist
0: um with the. <laughs> Oh, so she had to wear a heart rate monitor while she was having sex to prove oh, out no, that... No, just for
1: like 24, 48 hours, but she oh. decided that she would definitely like, you know, continue with her normal activities of daily living, which included regular intercourse. Oh, um, cool. So and, when yeah. when she got that,
0: that peak there and the cardiologist said, what was that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> they, yeah. She's like, well, oh, by the way. Um, so yep. proving yep. out that, you know, that um, sexual intercourse is great for fitness or... But I think it's obviously way better than just measuring heart
1: right yeah yeah but i think of it as going back a step so what do you need to do to be able to have it to do exercise and they're the concepts i think that almost need to be applied to sex so actually when something is sore when you're tired when you don't have the right equipment be it clothing footwear underwear you're not comfy in your body and you've got that pain you don't have the pain on if you don't have the right lubricant or your lubricant makes you sore you're not going to want to do it. Whereas actually planning it and starting to get it into your routine, such as, you know, the time where action leads to motivation, then exactly like exercise and then really reflecting on, okay, how did you feel afterwards? Well, actually I did it and that was quite good. And I had to do some positive thinking along the way, but the outcomes are beneficial. Um, so I kind of apply it like that. And often, as well, midlife women, um, it's not like you've got a small kids that you can kind of, you know, have sex while they're asleep or napping or, you know, they're constrained in a cot. Um, but when you've got teenagers, you can't banish them away while you have sex. And they're going to be, like, alert and will just, you know, walk into the door at any um, any moment. So mm-hmm. you've got that as well. That And, you know, when we've got that busy brain um, and the psychological changes, you're going to be thinking of, oh, my my son might walk in at any moment and that the you know the brain being the um, women's biggest sex organ is going to be inhibited so you're not going to get that sexual response and um, so I often I'm like okay so plan with your partner or by yourself um I'll get onto that in a second yeah plan to have, yeah plan to have sex like make a joke and um, be like okay right this is not happening I don't want to I'm tired can we do it here or let's get the kids out of the house and actively do it and I'm not going to want to because of all of this but we really need to and and then there's the other things of putting in the boundaries so um I really love and one of the concepts of getting into exercise is you know just put on your shoes so then you kind of and then the next day walk to the end of the road and then you know over the week you kind of end up doing stuff because you're already into it so with sex if it's sore um but you really don't want to and then you've got this kind of fear in you that your partner might try and you know like do something that's uncomfortable tell them be like you know what I want to do this but just don't go there I'm gonna lie naked in bed and you can we can build up to it like kind of work out what makes you feel comfortable but I think bringing that analogy of how can you get into doing movement or exercise and applying the concepts to sex um, just makes sense in my brain
0: yeah, hey Samantha, what you've said absolutely resonates with me because that's actually the that's actually what I did. So during sort of my worst perimenopause symptoms, one of them was my libido dropped and my husband and I would constantly talk about what's not happening before I knew to say, hey this is actually a real thing. He was thinking, Oh, you know, it's him, or I'm, you know, so tired. I'm not looking after myself. And now I'm neglecting him. So we did go through that, but, uh, but you know, all of it was when I didn't know what, (laughs) that I was in perimenopause. Once I knew and I, I went, okay, this is a thing I can actually go. That's what it is, but I don't want it to affect my relationship. So mentally I went right. It's going to happen on this day every every week, at least this day every week, and I'm going to do all the things to build up to that that makes me feel really good. It's going to be almost like a little bit of self-care so that I can be loving with my husband, and it absolutely worked. But I, mentally, I had to build up to it. like. Yeah. You know, like I had to have no laundry around. I had to have the whole house perfectly clean. I know a lot of women will relate to this. Yep. Um, the kids need to be in bed. Nobody needs to be away. You know, like there's a whole lot of stuff. Yep. Yep. And he jumped on board. He's like, what can I do that will get you to that place so that we can have this moment together? So I can absolutely vouch for that. Hmm. However, I know that you're going to talk about sort of, you know, other ways of self-pleasure. Are we going there?
1: we can just yeah I like so I am I'm an advocate for vibrators um because actually they can really help and I went to um uh the Australasian menopause conference a few weeks ago and um since then I've been talking about them even more because the um our psychosexual doctor was like everybody should have a vibrator and it should be women's mindfulness time that we do every day and so I just I, and I love saying that because that's the complete other end of the spectrum, you know. So you've got this amazing like specialist saying this is what she thinks should be normal, and it's about what works for you. Um, but you know that's what some people think. So um, yeah. and there's she was just talking about all of the huge benefits of it, and actually you know when you're busy having that mindfulness, that meditative time, that the, the self care, um, and all the different kinds of vibrators, and I just you know, we don't talk about that. Um, But if she sees in her practice, and she's incredible, so much value in it, then I kind of feel that I should say it. And just, you know, yeah. if it's one, just a different perspective. So um yeah, quite interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, I've become definitely so much more open minded, because I feel, and it's not from a it's not from a kind of a curiosity. It's actually always comes from a physical, mental wellness perspective. So, you know, if having sex and having orgasms is also going to release endorphins and make you feel yeah. good and make you just give you a moment of lightness through mm-hmm. a lot of the challenges, like that's actually how my how I think of it now. So I'm like, anything that helps you get there, go for it. All right, can we talk about lubrication? Because yeah, I think we should. Yeah, because um, I do hear sort of. Um, things about certain types of lubricants and some not working some not good for you like I actually don't know what we should um, be using to support us during intimacy
1: yeah so um I'm gonna be quite um I am um, know that um Tracy is linked in with this amazing lady called Georgina who you're going to be chatting to in the future and um, she can articulate this in a more constructive, structured way than me. So I'm just gonna kind of, you know, talk about the basics um, and let her do all of the amazing, um, amazing education. But um, yeah, I think when we look at what's happening and what is in the vagina, we need to keep that same pH. We need to aim for that kind of the same really positive bacteria, microenvironment, environment. Um, and so therefore getting products that align with that, is really important so it's not a case of getting the cheapest lubricant um from the supermarket but that might be what you need to be able to get to where you want to be so it's about understanding your journey um have you heard of jen gunter yeah um, i um she, the, the vagina yeah, so she's, monologue the, yeah yeah so yeah. the vagina um vagina she does an amazing book and talks about all different lubricants and um she talks a lot about one called yes um and so for example when you look at their product um, it's got the right kind of balance the right ph it's not got um you know we don't want sugar in having sugar in a lubricant and glycerin why would you put sugar in your vagina um, that's going to promote yeast and bacteria and all of that change as well um and i think you know using lubricant not because you're not because you're failing but actually um to facilitate sex and to prolong it and um, and it's not just about orgasm either um so but the other thing with lubricants is they're shorter acting so they don't have that ongoing effect whereas with moisturizers they um stay on the tissues longer to help kind of you know replenish and um, replenish the moisture that's lost been lost through the dryness So some of the moisturizers, um, one of the key ingredients is hyaluronic acid. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you can get that um, an over-the-counter, I tend to order it online and there's um, a couple of different brands. We don't have a really wide range here in New Zealand. Um, I know there's definitely more options kind of in the States and stuff available. Um, And when I attended the um, International Society of Vulvas and Vaginas Conference, um, I've done a couple of those, they really rated about how good hyaluronic acid is. And there's some papers and some data that shows, um, for some women it's as good as estrogen cream. And so I think, you know, we do, yes, estrogen cream, and we'll talk about that, that, you know, the hormone, which is the gold standard, but for a lot of women um, moisturizers are great and we moisturize our face. So why don't we moisturize our vagina? We've got to make it easy with our routine. um and yeah it's about what feels right I think some women like coconut oil um olive oil and once again cheap ish easy accessible um
0: so that's okay to use those oils on your vagina
1: yeah oh, okay yeah, I, I always
0: wondered because um yeah I'd heard different things and I wasn't 100% sure so I've learned so that's great yeah. okay yeah, but yeah. you and would end that, up you know, smelling a bit sweet. like coconut right
1: I know and I think- say <laughs> like a personal taste and what feels right for you and your body as well um I um, know Georgina's and I've read all of the stuff that she's written and the papers that she's based on and things and I quite like a lot of her approach and the product she talks about yeah. so um I think yeah it's what's what right for you but also bearing in mind that you know your body might change and what was good at one point it might not like so much at another point yeah but and your so face is
0: like that too right
1: exactly Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Mm. okay um so and then yeah um estrogen cream yeah. so estrogen cream we don't have a we just have a vest in basically here in in new zealand um so and um, it's estrile it's a really um a really good estrogen for the vagina it's those are the kind of receptors that respond to this cream the most um and um, most of the absorption comes through the front wall of the vagina So the guidelines, it comes, uh, um, oh, I don't have an applicator. I normally have, I've got an empty box right now. I know you have a video as well, but um, it, um, it comes with an applicator. So like a plastic syringe where you see how much estrogen cream you put in. And the instructions are, insert this into the vagina daily for three weeks and then twice a week. So if you haven't got the best relationship with your vagina, or it's a bit uncomfortable, or you just... The mental, physical reasons, you just don't want to go there. Shoving something plastic in your vagina every day for three weeks is just a lot of people's worst nightmare. Yeah. And then you've got this applicator that's been in your vagina that you then need to wash that is just like a fact, it's not going to happen. So I often say, yes, that's what the gold standard is. That's what the studies were. But we've got to do what works. And actually just finding out the amount you need, putting it on as suits you and working it out can be really helpful um, and make it happen. Um, There are also pessaries, which you put in, literally like things that you put into the vagina. Some women prefer them because they're easier. Some find them a bit messier. Um, But even when we insert things into the vagina, in some women, um, the external tissues are still quite dry. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some women that's symptomatic and they're aware of it, so they experience some symptoms. Um, And some women, don't have that awareness. But when I examine women, um, I will, if they're happy, some women like to see photos of me describing the changes so they can understand and monitor themselves. Others want me to talk about it. Others want to know nothing and that's (laughs) fine as well. Um, So um, there are things like the the tissues actually get paler. So around the urethra, so the wee hole can can get really white. It's not this um, pinkish vascular. Um, and the same as the labia minora, the inner labia minora. And they actually, without, um, with oestrogen deficiency, they actually get smaller. They, and they can actually resolve. So um, kind of blend in with some of the other tissues. Um, but this is preventable with oestrogen cream. Um, and the other thing is that the labia minora are really sensitive. So if they're really affected by low oestrogen, then changes in them can give you, Be quite bothersome, but also they're one of the biggest things involved in orgasm and clitoral function. So Mm -hmm. that also can really improve clitoral function and and orgasm as well. Um, And so, yeah, I kind of so posing just summarizing estrogen crane, use it how works for you. It takes two months to get to effect. Um, And I think even if you don't think you've got symptoms, but you might have or you're not sure, give it a go. Yeah. Because or even a vaginal like um moisturizer yeah. because it might help. Yeah. Um, how,
0: how do you access the estrogen for how do you do that? Like do GP you GP prescription. It's a prescription.
1: Yeah, it's just become available over the counter in England. UK, yeah. In the UK, which is cool. Um, but yeah, it's just um through a GP prescription. Um And I'm in my teaching that I'm doing of like healthcare professionals, particularly with smears, I'm asking my nurses to find out about that. And like one of my, I know smears aren't going to be done as much in the future for the change in um, screening. But one of the things I want to do is get um, kind of my support team, if this is in my general practice, be my dream also in my private, to call people and be like, actually, how was your previous experience? And um, could we make this better for you? And um, because actually using oestrogen cream before and having the medical safety take boxes, da da, da, da um, um, Going through them and being like, would you like to try it? Because one, it could make it more comfortable. Um, and also we've talked about what low estrogen is it's inflammation so actually if you're getting inflammation on a smear you can get false positive results so be told you've got an abnormal smear and it's not it's just just because of low estrogen um so Yeah. yeah it's way more than just actually what yeah what we think
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, You have literally answered every single question I can think of. And I don't think I've left any questions on the table. Um, So, Samantha, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with women? Because I I know that you are very passionate about this particular topic and, and how game changing it is for women living you know living every day out there in the community doing the things they love having great relationships with their families and partners and what have you so is there anything else that that I haven't sort of brought up that you think would be useful for the listeners
1: no but I think just kind of I jotted down like what would my main take-home messages be mm. and I think it would be like skincare literally like look after your vulva vagina like you look after your face um be aware of the physical effects of smear tests And if you find it uncomfortable, tell them, tell whoever's doing it. Um, And um, also to understand what is needed kind of, you know, mentally and socially for sex.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Samantha. That was incredible. This is the international menopause day episode blowing up. Um, So I hope that everyone gets a chance to listen to it and can investigate what they need and access exactly what they need moving forward I always adore speaking with Dr Sam she's completely generous with her information and I hope this has been a game-changing conversation for you if you enjoyed the chat and you are using Spotify to listen you can leave a question or comment in the episode and I'll pass it on to Dr Sam but wait there's more For today only, there will be another World Menopause Day episode, and we're going to continue to discuss vaginal dryness and natural support methods with my guest, Georgina Langdale from NatFem. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did catching up with my guest. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and feel free to rate and review too. For the book, online course, blog, workshops and coach calls, subscribe to www.sexyaging.com. That's ageing with an E.